Hi, and welcome back to the Legal Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Danny. I'm a recently qualified barrister who works in human rights and public interest law, and I also do some consultancy on the side, as well as running the website www.legaldiaries.ie and the Instagram page at legaldiaries.ie. On the podcast, we dive deep into all things health, fitness, mindset, studying, habits, dating and career, and probably so much more. I will aim to bring you the tools and actionable steps to smash your goals, inspire you to take bold action, and above all else, put yourself first. Hello everyone and welcome back to another Legal Diaries podcast. I am super excited to be joined by the wonderful Demi here today. So I will hand over to her to introduce herself. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, first of all, Danielle, for asking me to be on the podcast I'm really excited about that and I guess my name is Demi I'm from Melbourne Australia and I am a digital educator and founder of the millennial crisis which is a brand and podcast that kind of encompasses the fact that none of us really know what we're doing and that's the biggest kind of secret that nobody talks enough about um, and kind of embracing that confusion and figuring out who we are through self-exploration and kind of dipping our toe into different waters and experimenting a little bit. Super exciting. Yeah, it's so true because I don't really, like I, I can't speak to the Australian or Melbourne education system, but you're never really taught that it's okay to fail and it's okay to try something and for that not to be the thing that you want to do you're kind of like okay when you're 16 years old or 18 years old you need to figure out your career and you need to go to uni and you need to and and you just kind of start there and you're like that that's so much pressure to put on someone um so when you do what you're doing people are like really amazed because they're like oh I'd love to do that and you're like, well, you can like, but it, it's, it should be more normalized. Like it should be just the normal, like you should be able to just be like, okay, I'm not happy in my career. This is not what I want. I set off to do when I started training or I went to uni or I dreamt of it when I was 16 or 18 years old. So yeah. So you, so maybe if you give people an overview of your journey because I know you started traveling and then COVID hit (laughs) so how what was your kind of light bulb moment where you had that oh god this isn't for me when you were in your previous career yeah um yeah I guess for a little bit of background I have always worked in digital marketing and in social media so I guess it started when I was 19 and I somehow found my way into a you know windows as in microsoft ambassadorship um it happened to be like a i wanted to win a keep cup (laughs) at university o week and so i wrote my email down and somehow that email ended up in a in a call out for um ambassadors for for windows for university students and i remember thinking i'm not going to apply for this because I only work at Coles, which is our local supermarket here. What do I have to show for myself? I got the 
real a really crappy kind of end of high school score so I didn't have much to show and I thought you know what let me just send my resume in like YOLO I guess um and I ended up getting getting an interview back getting an interview for it and then getting that and that kind of started my um, career in the digital space um from there I kind of utilized that to my advantage and and got some clients and started doing some social media management work um and I remember while I was freelancing I found it quite isolating because I was working remotely before working remotely was kind of cool I guess Mm. or on now um but it, it forced me to not interact with people. So I thought, I know the solution to this. I'll go work in an office. <laughs> so um, I weaseled my way out and it just showed how much I hated school because I was like, how do I do as le- like the least amount of in-school subjects as I can? Mm-hmm. So I did two study abroads and then um, used work as a credit to my to my school and I thought great I can get paid to do uni Mm. so I found myself in an office job and and realized I actually felt just as isolated in the workforce as well um and so just feeling quite lost in in everything at that time I started to think well is digital marketing for me I was so Mm. set that I wanted to be in something in business, in an office, you know, this kind of hashtag boss lady, you know, wearing a suit, strutting, strutting the the workforce. Um, And so at about 21, 22, I started to realize that I actually didn't know what I wanted to do and that I couldn't change. Mm. I I felt that I couldn't change. And that feeling of stuckness, that feeling of confusion kind of began to consume me and instead of talking to people about that confusion mm. um I bluffed my way through it and I just kept saying I know what I'm doing I know what I'm doing because uh, at that point it felt as though I was so at the time it felt I was so far into that career which was what one two three years in that I wasn't able to change and I also wasn't able to talk about that struggle because um yeah it and and then yeah, from there, I, um, yeah, I thought this is, this is so, I guess it's a lonely experience if you don't talk about things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Especially, and like, it's so, because there's three things through that. So like everyone, A, aspires to be that girl boss, like any, any female listening, like a lot of people have those aspirations to be that person in that suit who's absolutely killing it in their job no matter what that might be so to be the anti of that or not to be like this isn't me you're like okay what's going on in my head maybe it's me that just I don't want this and this seems to be the norm and this seems to be what a lot of people aspire to um and then the other thing is um you felt you were so trapped in a career when you were only three years in it which is insane because you're so young like I'm in comparison like I'm 29 and like I'm absolutely in awe of what you've done and like I've seen it at more so university level where students will come in 
Um, and because I was a sabbatical officer and they'll be in their first year of study and they'll be like okay well I chose I don't know like nursing engineering or this this program or like ag science and I'm just really not happy in it and it's not everything I expected it to be um, and to try even to try get through to that student that they've done it for six months they're only 18 19 years old to just drop out um spend six months exploring and figuring out what exactly they want to do and then go back and they're like oh I can't do that like my my family will be so disappointed in me like I I've got a place at this university like I can't let that go and I'm like but you but you can and it's the same for you because you were in like office employment so if you had you probably felt if you like I feel if I was to go to my parents and say okay I'm just gonna quit law like that's it like I'm just I'm just gonna quit and like I'm not happy they'd be like but what about your your pay and like how are you gonna live and how are you gonna survive and you're like well that's not everything you're like you can figure it out so like how did you how did you get past all those mental blocks to get to the point where you're just like nah can't do this yeah, well, I guess the first thing is that I was I was in university throughout that whole period that I've explained. So my degree was a three-year degree and it ended up taking me six years because I failed eight subjects in the first two years. So that should have been my first signal that I shouldn't have been at university. Um, and the reason for that was, one, I hated school and two, I just didn't learn that way. And two... Um, I was more focused on that, that social media business I had. I thought mm-hmm. I'm not learning this stuff at university. I learned nothing about digital in university. I was learning it all on my own outside. Um, and so uh, when, when I was in that kind of state of confusion, I felt as though I couldn't tell anyone because I was succeeding you know, in the quotes. So I, I couldn't say, I, I felt I had to be extra grateful for where I was. Um, and and you're, you're right before when you said the key thing was, was parents. And this is one thing that I try and really stress, especially to those who are younger, um, is the fact that our parents grew up in such a different world. And to them, like both of my parents didn't, didn't have degrees or anything like that. And to them, the solution to getting a high paid job, to making money, to being secure was a degree. And by getting that, you were kind of pretty much guaranteed a job. Whereas now universities are less about the education and more businesses. So they function in that way. In Australia, you know, if you use the statistics of law students, they like one in three law students has a job waiting for them. Like that's all the demand is. So those other two law students, there is literally no work for them. And that just shows how much of a business universities have turned into. Um, And so for me at that time, um, it wasn't until I began to open up to people and say, I'm 22, I don't actually know what I want to do. And realizing that a lot of my peers felt exactly the same. A lot of people older than me felt exactly the same. And even people younger than me felt the same as me. And the only reason it hit me at 22 and not at 17, 16, 19, 30 was because I thought 
what I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I tried it out that I realized it actually wasn't for me. Um, and then from there it was, it's been, so that was at 22, 23, I'm 26 now. And it's been three, four years of exploration and I've, and I'm still not out, you know, I, I have more of an idea of what I want to do and the direction I want to go. And I understand myself a lot more and the things I want, but it's still been an, uh, it's yeah. still been this internal, external pull. Yeah. And it's so like, it's so true. Like I find that when you're now I say a kid, but to me, it's a kid because it's like 10 years ago now for me. Um, and I was in my final years of school, like you, and I've seen it from working in a school as well. Like you just, you go through the motions as a kid. Like it's, it's like a tick box. Like you, you in Ireland, you do this leaving cert and that's your final exams for schools. So you do the leaving cert, you aim to get a certain number of points and do really well to get into the course that you, you really want to do. If that works out for you and you're extremely happy in that course, fantastic, but it's not going to be the same for everyone and not everyone is built for university either mm. like not everyone is like you were learning more outside of school than you were in a school setting um so like university isn't for for everyone but it's it's like the uh, it's like the golden egg for our parents like if we had said I don't want to go to university my parents probably would have been like well then what are you what are you going to do because but at the same time like my parents had their first house when my mum was 18 um my parents would have like had me when I think my mum was 24 they would have traveled done what they wanted and like whereas I'm 29 <laughs> yeah I've traveled I'm in a career that I really enjoy um but like I have no kids. I don't have a mortgage or a house. I don't, I don't have. And it took me to the age of 29 to get to my career. Whereas my parents were in theirs by the age of like 21, 22. And didn't necessarily go to university. So it's, it's, a, it's such a different time. And I think like it's when I was in my undergrad, it was like, oh, wh what's your next steps? Are you going to go on and do a master's? are you going to go on and do a PhD? And you're like, is this undergrad that I have like not enough for me to do mm -hmm. like what, what I want to do? Um, but I decided to go to law school anyway, but like, it's, it's, it's like, but for, like what's next is mm -hmm. the, is the kind of trend. And like when you come out of university now in Ireland, like majority of people that are interviewing probably have a master's, not just an undergrad they probably have a master's or further, more further education than that. So it's such a dense kind of pool. Yeah. So it definitely is like, I definitely it, like, I think it must be, it's the same across the board because like, I feel like the universities are set up as a business and to make money and to get as many students in as possible and yeah, to educate them to, to a good standard, but also to win these awards and these accolades so they can then attract more students. But yeah like it's it's I'd love to know the statistics for Ireland of how many people are employed on the other side because I think there's too much of a focus on 
university and formal education is everything um and I think that's probably what made you feel stuck um a lot more and like you were on this kind of conveyor belt where you were just like okay well I've gotten that bit so now I'm on to the next bit um so you're now so if we rewind back to when you had this kind of epiphany originally and you're like I'm really just not happy um so you're about 22 at this point so is that when you began your kind of millennial crisis journey say where you started being like yeah uh, for me it, it it was a bit of an unconventional route and I am well aware that this isn't going to happen this way for everyone but I feel that because it happened to me in this way now I can tell people how they can do it another way um I actually went on a cooking show in Australia um yeah really random it was it was was one of the top shows in Australia and and we went on with my best friend it was like a partner it's called my kitchen rules and um and and we went on this show and I was so still stuck in this marketing is the answer my career is the answer that I remember during the show I said to my friend this is the perfect way for us to get into marketing in channel seven which was the big tv network you know because I thought well this office job that I'm in that's probably not the answer but if I was in this big like you know cool office then that would probably be the answer to my life crisis my quarter life crisis um and so we had that experience and and I I saw tv land um and I thought oh the pay is actually not that great um I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that I wish I wanted to do there because the systems are still the same in this office, just as they were in the other one. Mm -hmm. But I started to be more opened into this kind of creative space and this media space and Mm. um, thinking there's other things that I'm actually interested in that I never explored in school. Like when I was younger, I would invite friends over and force them to model for me and I would take photos or I would Mm. make stupid like music videos or I I would pretend I had a YouTube channel but would never share anything like I always Mm. did all of those little kind of creative things and um, I remember when we made the audition tape for that show I said to my friend if we don't get on this, let's make a YouTube channel. Cause I enjoyed making that video so much. Mm. Um, and so from there we, we started a food and fashion blog. And that is the only reason why I explored more so mm. quickly. Um, I would say that is the only reason why. And that's why I tell people like, start now whatever Mm. that other curiosity thing, whatever that tiny thing in the back of your mind is start exploring it now Mm. because mine started from a food and fashion blog at 23. We had launched that. And then two years into that, it turned, it transitioned from that into the millennial or a year into that and that into the millennial crisis. And now the millennial crisis is just kind of finding its feet and, and becoming its own thing um Mm. so 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 yeah so that was the only reason I was able to kind of start to transition and it was always my side hustle and now only because of coronavirus and um I guess quitting my job last year was I all in did I make the move to be all in on it yeah 
and it, it it's kind of really I don't want to say nice in a way because obviously a health pandemic is not the thing you want to spur you into going all in on something but mm. it gave you and it's it's probably giving a lot of other people a lot of free time at the moment or a lot of avenues where they can be like okay it's kind of okay not to be employed at the moment because redundancies are happening across the board which is which is terribly sad and mm. You, you don't want to see like a rise in unemployment in, in any country, but it's what you do with that time. So if you are at a point in your life where you have the flexibility, where you don't have kids or you don't have a mortgage or you don't have the bills to meet, to just kind of move back home and take that time to start a blog or start a YouTube channel or start kind of exploring and putting out there what you yourself are passionate about and see how people kind of receive that because it's so easy these days to start a blog to start a YouTube channel to start a podcast um like even if I can do it like I'm completely like I've no background in communications whatsoever or in social media completely self-taught um but I think now for a lot of people is the time that they need to kind of start because everyone is slowing down at the minute so you too need to slow down and if you have found yourself in that unfortunate situation where you have been made redundant or you are currently say on temporary leave so like you might go back because I know in Ireland we're we're in in level five at the moment so services a lot of services are closed for six weeks so we're essentially on lockdown um and I'm pretty sure you in Melbourne were on lockdown for for a long time as well (laughs) 112 days (laughs) so like there might be people who might be in this kind of quango where they're like they're not fired but there's no service open for them to work in so they're on this kind of temporary unemployment until there's their cafe or something else reopens so you like use that time to know that you can go back to employment when everything is over I like you can always apply for a job this is what like I always and I have these panics like I have these kind of like career like just panics where I'm like but if I leave this job will I will I get as good of a job or will I work in as good of a workplace or if I switch like I'm now a qualified lawyer who will want to employ me and then I like my boyfriend is always like you're worth so much money he's like you've so much experience and I'm like okay, I just need that person in my life to like, be like, there's always a job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, that's, that's the key thing. And we, uh, the thing to remember is like, we all have those fears. We all like my first step started from quitting my job this time, well, September of 2019 and deciding to travel to South America. So that was like the first step. Then the global pandemic hit. I ended up back home and was like, all right, I'll do something else. And then uh, because I was no no longer in that kind of free environment of this is my gap year, I was like, oh, I should get a job, right? Because you're back in that community, back in that sense, you get drawn back to reality. Got a job, wasn't right for me at all. Um, And so I left that and then then came back and thought, no, 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 let's go all in on this. Let's continue the gap year, even while in um 
in lockdown, you know, in Australia, it's still okay to explore. It's still okay Mm. to understand what you want and what you don't want. And the best thing you can do for yourself, and it's not to say you're never going to get caught up in, in all of the things, the best thing you can do for yourself is understand you. Yeah. Understand what you like, understand what you don't like, understand what times you work best, understand what kind of people you need to be around. Because yeah. if you never had your boyfriend there, you know, hopefully there would be, it would be someone else. But what if that someone else had different advice for you? You know, yeah. what if that person had a different perspective for you? And so it's so important to understand the things that are going to push you to your best levels and to understand how sometimes you can do that for yourself. Um, because that's the only, like, if this year taught us anything is that life's unpredictable and you're never fully secure in anything. Yeah. So if you can put yourself in the best position to deal with all of these outside external factors that you can't deal with or surround yourself with the people or listen and consume the content that Mm. is going to remind you that you're on the right track and you know doing that internal work is so important that you'll be able to kind of um figure figure your find your feet you know and slowly progress in whichever direction that is yeah because it's it's and I think there's this this kind of mentality and it's it's wrong, but like even I kind of think of it myself sometimes. Like if I have a bad day in work, that's fine. Like that's one bad day. Everyone has a bad day in work. But if you're having continual bad days and you're just not happy in your workplace, like that's not normal. Um, and I think we, we're at this mentality that sure not everyone loves their job so like I'm just you know I'm earning a salary I'm not really happy here but sure like I've never come across someone who absolutely loves their job and you're like like yeah like there are like I absolutely love my job um and it's so funny because I work in um what is probably described as poor law like I'm never going to make millions in it um but that's fine with me and that's like a compromise that I've made because I work in human rights and public interest so I have so many of my friends who work in when we were starting out they were were applying to all the big commercial firms and the big kind of huge conglomerates and they were like to me they're like I wish I could do what like what you're doing um like in human rights and like it's it's probably such valuable work and like I'd love to work in that area but you know I need to I need to go work in commercial to get my traineeship or to earn money and I'm like well well that's the point you need to figure out what you want what people you need to be around and what your values are like I don't necessarily want to be like everyone wants to earn money everyone wants to be fiscally comfortable but I don't necessarily want to go earn millions like I know my worth and I know that I work in a not-for-profit sector so at the moment I'm I'm never gonna earn but there is possibility for me to earn a a good amount in, in the area that I work in but I think you need to like you said kind of take a step back and understand not only what you like but like what your values are um and yeah and like what was that process like for you so you returned from South America well you're forcefully returned because of COVID (laughs) um 
and then you decided it clicked with you first you had the panic of okay I need to get a job and go back to normality and do the kind of everyday run-of-the-mill things that everyone's doing but then you were like no I'm gonna take a gap year did you were you you were in a job weren't you before you decided that because Mm. you 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 came back from quarantine um and as far as I remember from seeing some of your TikToks, you start you started your job remotely. Mm. And then- yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's just one thing that I wanted to to touch on from what you said before. Before I get on that, is you know how you mentioned about you know you're in this job that you love, but you might not be making the money that the other corporates get, and that's the other thing that used to be true and isn't true now. Is that all our money needs to come from our work yeah and that's the difference between like the building wealth side of things and the actual rich people versus you know um those of us who just get all of our money and become dependent on the work and I always bring it back to like um relationships like for people in relationships and stuff like why is it okay for us to date around understand what we like and what we don't like instead of being married off like our grandparents or our great-grandparents were and that didn't have that kind of choice our parents had a little bit more ease and then we have a lot more ease when it comes to dating and stuff the same thing comes in the workplace is like you have to taste around and then also doesn't your one financial stream doesn't have to be from your work it can be from investments it can be from a side hustle it can be from all of these different things that you don't know, you now have a lot more access to. So there is is so much more flexibility in the workplace. And from a financial point of view, um, it's really important to like, remember that your job shouldn't be your sole source of income. It can be, you know, the majority for sure, but it doesn't have to be the sole source. Um, uh, Sorry, I just, that is just, it's something that I always talk about and I think people need to understand more of is um these kind of multi-hyphenate or slashy style lifestyles that we can live which means that you know you don't have to be one thing we don't have to fit into one box anymore and that can open up so many more doors um but back back to your point sorry yeah no it's no but it's so true though like it's so like say this platform and legal diaries is completely a side hustle for me now I haven't at all monetize it but like I could monetize it I and then I'm also in the process of working on some some um side projects that I will monetize and it really kind of just you have to just be savvy like everyone I think at this point in time has a side hustle like I don't I think it's a norm like Mm. it may be something as simple as oh I you're in university you work in a bar and you babysit and babysitting is giving you x amount of money but you need that kind of like that flexibility like I sometimes take on and I never would have thought of it as a side hustle but my mum um when I was in uh studying and I had a bit more time um I would have done um transcribing um for dictation for my mum and some of her friends just because they personally didn't have the time to do it within their profession and they they were self-employed so I would be like oh I'll charge 50 euro just to do it um and then more and more people are coming to me and I was just like there you go like find something that someone needs done 
that you're able to kind of do pretty easily enough um, and you earn 50 euro from that one thing. So I think you need to be kind of more thinking outside of the box now. Um, like I'm definitely very like-minded. Like I never, I don't think my income will always, my sole income and my only income, um, which I think in this time of uncertainty is is really bad for people to, to have mm. one kind of sole income and and not have any other say if they lose their job an investment that they can draw down on or oh it's okay I've lost my 60% of my income but I still have my 40% from this side hustler this business that I run um yeah sorry um back to my other question yeah I just I just think that's a really important point for people it is and and what I will add to that as well is that I want to say that like it's life is, I think once I got older, I realized that life is more of a mental game than anything. Right. And us as millennials and how I refer to us as the limbo generation, because the internet hit us mid kind of growing up mid kind of transition into life, all the pathways that were paved to us um, were for a world pre-internet. So for us, the biggest struggle is unlearning the way things were. And for me, I was really lucky when I was younger and when I was moving into um, the workforce that until uh, July or June, whenever I got that job, June of this year, I had never signed a full employment contract. I was never an employee at a workplace. I was always a contractor, a subcontractor, a side hustler. Like uh, I was doing lots of different things and mind you I was still making double you know sometimes the money of what my friends were so it wasn't you know and and I wasn't working crazy crazy hours or anything so I was just lucky to already be in that mindset first of all so if you're thinking I I still can't get over the fact that I need a job I still can't get over the fact that I need a job if I had multiple jobs and I already didn't feed into that traditional workspace and I still fell into it it's okay like you've got to give yourself that space to understand like it's okay we don't have to fully adapt and and um be into it it'll take time for you to kind of i guess rewire your brain into thinking differently yeah Um, and that's the biggest struggle we have as as millennials as a generation is having to kind of rewire reprogram our minds in it's not the way we were taught when we grew up um, yeah because we're living in a totally different world I think yeah and I think um one thing our generation has and even Gen Z is um like we have job snobbery as well um Mm. like (laughs) people don't want to be like you and on contract they're like you need to sign a permanent contract because that's how you get on in life and that's how you have the ability to do things or people will go to university and will come out and apply for they don't want to do the starting positions they want to do the and I know there's a whole battle over even a starting position asks you for like four years experience when you've just come out of university but there's they they want the kind of the further along the the further kind of senior executive job and you're like "Mm." (laughs) or they want yeah so I think like 
or say if someone's like okay I have absolutely no jobs whatsoever there's no employment in the field that I work in so they're like okay well I don't I'm I'm way too qualified to work in a shop or work in a cafe or work in in some other and you're like you know every job is a job every job you learn a skill set so I, I think we have job snobbery as well um mm. and I think that's a big thing that needs to be broken down that like a, a job is a job you may go into say a trade or be a tradie and do plumbing or electric but and some people be like oh but you you didn't go to university and you're like yeah but they have a massive skill set that you absolutely don't have like it's it's a probably it's a well-paid job um doing a service that is was in COVID times absolutely essential service so yeah I think there's there's that kind of stuckness and then there's also job snobbery that goes on so because I think and and the funny thing about that is that contracted work and work that isn't secure is actually higher paid because it's not secure oh yeah I don't know if you ever worked in retail it was like if you were a casual you would get paid more if you as soon as you moved into part-time you got paid less because you got sick pay and all of those stuff so the only difference is is the self-belief and that's why I always go back to working on you yeah because if you build that self-belief if you build whether it's like self-love self-confidence you know self-understanding self-personal intelligence all of those things allow you to make decisions not out of like necessity not out of fear but out of like love for the work passion or knowing that this is going to lead you to your destination um quicker than someone who starts from that top level because if they start at that top level they might be making let's say like 80k a year you might start off making 40k but yeah you then zoom up to like 150k because you've built all these other skill sets and networked your way into all of these other um kind of avenues and things so yeah and it's so true because like my position that i'm in now where i work i created my position um just out of being like so I came in um and I covered I was studying law um and I covered a carer's leave so someone left for two years to to go on carer's leave to look to look after um a parent so I covered that and it was great it really suited me it was part-time um while I was studying full-time and then I kind of that ended and they were kind of like okay well this person's gonna come back but they realized that and I kept kind of expressing that everything that's rammed into this role is not a part-time role like it is it is and like I think you need to do that as well like you need to kind of express yourself and say there's space here and I just happen to be in charge of fundraising so I was like and there's funding here to create a new role so I kind of was like well I have the skill set where I started training so I I work in three areas of the law center so I do legal work and then I'm head of communications and head of fundraising. Um, but I fundraising communications is something that didn't come to me academically. It's something that's completely self-taught. So, mm. and you can create a job for yourself. Like I, and you can make yourself indispensable. Like I have designed numerous publications for the organization, saving them 
say I think about it's about three and a half four thousand for the quotes that we have for design work for per design piece so if I do three of those that's nearly a part-time salary for someone so like you you need to be kind of inventive like if you really want to stay in an industry you can and I you made a really good point there because if you didn't love the work you were doing if you went into that kind of corporate area of law you wouldn't be fighting for these things you wouldn't have weaseled your way in however people want to say you know I always said in that way you know um to create this job for yourself because you care so much that you know you're going to put in the work you see the change that you do whereas if you're just an employee at a place where you're miserable at you do the bare minimum and you don't learn you do not learn um and you might learn a little bit you might learn some things here and there but you don't learn to the extent of when you're passionate about something yeah um, or you care about it or you have a purpose there even if that purpose is financial gain that's fine you know because that financial gain is funding something else that gives you real kind of purpose or passion or you know or any of those things um but I love that I love that you created your own role that's really cool yeah and it's so funny because I just so it was started by um on a kind of year kind of basis so it was kind of like okay we'll we'll test the water for a year and see if there's enough work for and it turns out that there's more than enough work (laughs) because I span three areas of where I work so if there's not if casework isn't really busy for me there's always going to be a funding app that needs to be done or a policy that needs to be drafted or, or something that's going on or a communication strategy to implement so it's 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 very like it, there's always going to be something in that area but um so I was in that role for two years um and this year I'm yet to actually physically sign it because I haven't been in the office but I'm signing a permanent contract so I have so they went from creating that role from a year to year basis to realizing that okay we can't give this person who's 29 this uncertainty about their job in terms of like life planning so and my manager realized that and then pitched it to the board to make it permanent now obviously I work in a sector that's not for profit where so it's it's my role is permanent contingent on funds so that the organization has funding to keep to keep running um but yeah, I completely, like I made that path for myself. Like I, I completely paved that path for myself. And now post-qualification, so I was working full-time while training part-time as a barrister um, or as a lawyer. So I'm now kind of paving my way to change my role again and drop some of that other kind of fundraising communications and just focus predominantly on law. So and how you have that and even it was so funny because I had a recent conversation with my manager about that um and about changing my role and about focusing more on legal and taking away some of the other stuff um but she complimented me on being a female and being able to have those conversations because they were important conversations and not a lot of people raised them um so I think that's another important lesson that I've gotten that you need to kind of be brave and 
like a, 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 one, one study that always like sticks with me is when you read a job description, a female will go through all of the criteria that's listed in the job description and will go, okay, I don't meet like one of those. Therefore I'm not going to apply. Mm-hmm. A guy skims a job description doesn't like knows he doesn't reach like 50% of the criteria but it's just going to stick his CV in because he's doing no harm to anyone by just throwing off his CV for a job Um, and I think we need to have that more of a mentality that you're not always going to fit 100% rigidly what a company's asking for and also don't be afraid to have if you see an area of the company that you'd love to work in or you want to earn more money, you need to just learn to have these conversations with your employer. And it's, it's um, a complete aspect of life. Sorry, I'm completely going off on a tangent. No, no, no. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. And it is such an important point. And that's why I mentioned earlier about how um, when I got that um, job at Microsoft, I, I had that initial thinking and, and that statistic is something I use all the time as well. However, because of that, that's what allowed me to have this kind of quick career trajectory because I began applying for things that I didn't think I had any business applying for, like that confidence that men have. And that's just, um, you know, it kind of built into them through the way the world works. Um, but for me, it just came from that succession and then landing other roles um, that were good and that I had no business applying for because I knew that that's how it happened. And I always say that like signs of maturity and signs of being an adult aren't buying a house, aren't getting married. They're having the ability to have difficult conversations. And I know people that are three times my age that are still not mature or adults because they cannot have difficult conversations and it's such a crucial skill to have yeah it's so funny though because not even difficult conversations like I would find our generations and I don't want to say because my parents are are great but like if there's something I think we're a lot more practical and we're not a lot more like of a doer towards situations so if something arises so say recently enough our boiler went out in the house um and we obviously need to get a plumber out because they're heading into winter here in ireland and that's absolutely fine it's a run-of-the-mill thing but my mom was super busy with work and um my dad's retired but he was just doing some other things but um i kept being like okay you need to ring a plumber and my dad was like oh i can't find the number of x plumber that we usually get out and i'm like well there's the internet you sit down with a list and you ring multiple plumbers and my mom was like oh i hate making phone calls that aren't like work-related phone calls so i was like okay i'll source the plumber because i'm such a like a doer that i'm like i'm gonna sit down and just be practical about this and i think that that like our generation have a lot more of that mentality um but at the same time I've seen Gen Z and I think they've lost some of that mentality um yeah like I I think I'm I'm glad I grew up in the generation I did because I think we had the benefits of knowing what it was like without internet and then knowing exactly what life is like and we I think we utilize it more and we don't expect things as much like I don't mean to to offend any Gen Zers that are listening out there but I think they have a lot more 
kind of expectation that oh I'm going to go to the university I'm going to get this job that's going to be absolutely fine this is I'm going to create this side hustle and it's going to boom whereas I think we're we're a lot more we have that mentality of no you need to grind at something in order to succeed at it um Mm -hmm. but yeah sorry I'm also going off another tangent yeah um but yeah going back to the initial question before we started talking about so you came back um and you were working again what made you go full hog into the the millennial crisis project Mm. um I wouldn't have quit that job and I would likely still be here if that work environment was not as toxic as it was um and when I mean toxic I mean it was something I had never experienced in my life and as I've kind of showed there I'm super confident in my working skills um and and that I put to and I refer to as like I felt as though I was almost in an abusive relationship it was this gaslighting it was this it was such a strange experience for me. And um, I consulted with so many people to see if that was the right decision for me. And if I never had the support externally, if people like, because of COVID, I shared a room with my sister, like an office with my sister and she heard phone calls and how they went and, and things like that. And if she had never said, Demi like are you serious this place is not right you know this shouldn't happen this isn't the way things work I I would still be there and and that and I and it kind of brings it back to like everything happens for a reason and I'm such a strong believer in that that I was kind of supposed to go into this toxic workplace be drawn back in and and realize this isn't for me Um, and I'm glad it wasn't a great workplace because then I would be there instead of continuing to explore what I wanted um, and figure that out. Um, And, and now I'm two months, three months out um, and all into the millennial crisis and, and my own stuff. And it's been not easy at all and I have no still have no clue what I'm doing and where I'm going but I've never been clearer with the direction I want to go and working on what my day-to-day looks like and transferring the idea of a nine-to-five in an office working for someone else into a job for myself and what that looks like and how I motivate myself, how I get up in the morning, how I show up for the workplace, who I work with and all of those things. Um, Cause even though I don't have employees, I am my own employee kind of thing now. So, um, and the added thing from going from making money every week to not making anything um, is, is something I'm still dealing with. But the, the biggest thing that's really helped me and for anyone who, wants to do this um or wants to make a change it's about changing your mindset and so what i did was i named 2020 my discovery year and although i haven't fully stuck to it it's always been something i've come back to like if i'm not making money 
if I'm not working for someone else or doing whatever that kind of external validated success is, I say like, no, 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 this is my discovery year. It's the year I'm working myself out. Um, and then next year will be like the trial year where it's trialing different things and different ideas that I have. And then, you know, 2022 is implementation year. So that's when things going to really start taking off. And if, and if you, if you name your years or you live life in seasons, um, then it, it, it alleviates so much of that pressure, which mm. is the thing that really um, kind of ruins us is yeah. the pressure we put on ourselves and the timelines um, that we expect things to happen because of things like social media. Yeah. And like, we always see a career as like a lifetime like people are like oh whereas that was so that was probably our parents mentality like they got into a job and that was it like that was what they worked at whereas like I know people that have been in three different companies that are 29 30 and they've only been in the working force for discounting university and study for like five years um and they've excelled but they've just seen opportunities arise other places and applied for them and got them so I think we do a lot more pivoting now so I think having setting things as like a year timeline in your head I think is really good because it gives you a a timeline that you have to meet so you can't in your head 2021 is implementation so you're you're gonna have it sorted by then but at the same time it also doesn't allow you to get lost in it because I think if you were like okay when am I going to ever figure this out you would continue to go on and feel a bit miserable about it but because you're like proactive and you have this kind of set timeline of how you're going to do it I think breaking it down into smaller chunks probably makes that pivot seem a lot more achievable Mm. Yeah. yeah Yeah. And so you had, um, so on your TikTok, you have um, some, some things about like designing your ideal career or your lifestyle. What are the kind of, so how have you gone about that then? So what have been the practical steps for you so far in the past couple mm-hmm. of months? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And one that I am kind of glad that I started to document and shared a lot more. And that was the idea behind the millennial crisis always was to give people that practical stuff. The first thing was, um, asking myself the hard questions. So what got me to quit my job last year and take that gap year, which was essentially going all in on the millennial crisis, um, was, doing a journaling exercise. So it was supposed to be for seven days. And I asked myself nine questions every day. Um, And essentially what that practice did, which then turned into me doing it for a month, which what that practice did was um, it allowed me to put out all of the things that was happening in here on paper. And the questions I was asking myself were really hard questions. Like if I stay in this career, Um, if I continue in this career, what will my life look like? And I was like, oh, fuck. I realized like, sorry, I swore. Um, I I said like, oh, dear. Okay. Oh, you can? Okay, cool. Because I swear in my podcast and I forget for other people's. Um, And so I thought like, oh, geez, my, 
there are a lot more bad days than there are good at this place, you know? And what that question meant was I had to face the reality of I'm no longer growing. I'm not learning anything. I'm just sitting in front of a desk and I'm another cog in this machine. Another question in there was like, um, when was the last time you left your comfort zone? And the, the kind of last question in it was like, what is one step you can take right now? And that was such a crucial step. So asking yourself the right questions. If you want those questions, they're, they're on my TikTok. I think it's like nine questions or that got me to quit my job. Um, you can look at there. But the other stuff was um, the four-hour work week, which I speak about a lot in those kind of lifestyle yeah. design videos. I literally have that on my shelf and I keep being like, Debbie like raves about this book. I really <laughs> need to start reading it. Because I pick and I picked it up like... um. I think it was because I'd heard so much obviously because Tim Ferriss he has a podcast and all that and I'd heard so much about this book so I was like I was in like a secondhand store or a secondhand bookshop and I just randomly happened to see it for like a euro so I was like okay I'm just gonna pick it up and it's literally um in my bedside locker and every day I look at it and I'm like okay I really need to start <laughs> reading that book and then you started raving about it and I was like okay I really need to start reading that book and like what what about that book because that seems to be like a bible for you at the minute yeah it, it is and and mind you I'm only a few chapters in because the activities he gives you um are so kind of testing and really make you think. And if you listen to anything or follow anything from Tim Ferriss, he's all about asking yourself the hard questions. Um, and that's, I think that's why I love him because it's, it's not about what anyone else thinks. It's really understanding you and like being that mirror for yourself. Um, and so the reason I love the book so much is because it gets you to think for yourself and it gets you to identify why you're doing something. Um, and it, it, it's not about working four hours, you know, it's about designing a working life or lifestyle that works for you and understanding that that might change in three years, that might change in five, 10 years, but that's okay if you get past realizing that, um, that your mind's going to change or external factors are going to change, then as soon as you accept that, like everything's so much better. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend that. And then I also recommend, um, uh, Mark Manson. So his blog and he has the book, um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I've read that book. Yeah. Yeah, and his blog is really great, even for like students in school and stuff. Like he positions things. One, it's entertaining, but secondly, um, he he always puts the question of like, um, what are you willing to eat shit for? Like, yeah, what, you know, we talked about before. Like, there's this idea that every job is going to be amazing, and nothing is always amazing. Yeah. So what is the thing that you're willing to kind of sacrifice or what, not sacrifice, but what is the thing that you're not going to enjoy that much that you're willing to do over and over again? And for me, it's like the podcast. I hate editing audio, you know? Yeah. But in the beginning, I have to do that until let's say I ever make money with it or whatever. And then I could outsource that if I wanted to. But what is that thing that you're willing to do 
um, because the outcome of that is so amazing for you or the other things are, are so amazing for you from that. So um, yeah, that they, they have been, and I, I feel so bad that they are both males that I like look at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, Ariana Huffington is, is, is kind of inspirational in that way as well, but more about like the holistic approach and like, yeah, the yeah. Things, um, for sure. Cause but, I've re- um, yeah, I've yeah. recently read the sleep revolution, um, which is her book. And then she has another one, which I have, um but I haven't read yet but yeah there's that bit of guilt when you when you get those books and you swear you're like oh I'm a female and I want but you should write a Manelio crisis book and then we'll all have that bible on our our bedside table and I can be like I have I have a female like a a book to kind of aspire to um Emma Emma Gannon sorry I forget Emma Gannon is is someone that's really um about that kind of four-hour work week life and she wrote the book um the multi-hyphen method which which is awesome um, in that sense too um, Mm. for kind of creating that lifestyle, but where she doesn't talk as much about lifestyle design. And I think um, it it applies to certain people. um, Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, they're they're the things that they're the practical steps. It's, it's really us doing the work internally and stuff that's not going to be validated externally, which sounds wanky. Like it sounds really like, Oh really? Like, you know, we're going to do this coming of age thing at, you know, late twenties, mid twenties, you know, early thirties or whatever it is, but it's, it's, you have to do it sometimes. So yeah. And like, the it's earlier not, you can do it, the better. Yeah. And it's not a thing. Like, I think it's a thing that like, maybe you're very, you're too young to kind of do it and realize it in school, but in like the early years of university, like, I think it's, it's a thing that they really need to start doing. Cause you, you are at a pivotal point where people are going to start like applying for those career jobs so because like I like I did a non-law undergrad um just based solely on the fact that I wasn't really sure if I really wanted to go do law um and similar to Australia um but different to anyone who's listening from say the the US or Canada you can do law as an undergraduate degree so you don't necessarily have to do an undergrad and then go to to law school um but you can and I yeah I just had such doubt in my mind about whether or not I want to do it so I decided to do something I loved and I was really interested in politics and international relations and I was really like I loved languages so I just I just followed that route but it stayed with me as like a niggling feeling but it took me to do that exploration over the four years of my undergrad degree for me to then decide to go to law school and continue to pursue that route so Mm. I think there's a lot to be said like I think universities need to need to do a lot more to allow people to figure that out because when I was finishing my undergrad that wasn't a conventional career path like people were going off to work for not-for-profits or big kind of um um companies that would deal in like uh like strategy and stuff like that and all that kind of area or um, big kind of economists and stuff and um yeah I was like okay I'm just gonna stay and study and this is what I'm I'm gonna do so yeah I think like I think that that exploration for everyone I think is vital 
Um, and it doesn't stop as well. Like it's not something you get to like a finish line of. It yeah. doesn't stop. You're constantly changing and the world's changing around you. So the, the sooner you accept that like if it's not the outside world that's going to change, you're going to change, like just go with it, the, the better things get, you know. And like where are you on your journey at the moment then? So you've asked yeah. yourself these really hard nine questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I now, like I, like I said before, the, I, I said to myself and, and I always get drawn back in. Like I made a TikTok about saying like in the month of October, I wasn't going to apply for any jobs or anything like that. And I still did. Um, and I actually took like a week and a half off posting, uh, you know, because I was so scared of not doing um, as in not doing the ex- the things you're supposed to do, you know? Um, so now I am e- going easy on myself and really, I guess seeing the fruits of my labor from the work I've been do- doing previously um, and now giving myself the space to be like, yeah, for the rest of the year, you're just going to be, a creative you're just going to explore you're just going to go in and give this avenue your all and accept it as a real thing you know sometimes we think that a job is the only real thing whereas at least for me that was that's been my biggest struggle is not labeling what I'm doing now as a real thing labeling it as just oh yeah I just do this podcast or oh yeah I just have this millennial crisis blog you know I just make these videos or whatever versus saying you know I do I do this and it means something and people enjoy it and you know it is something that can be something I could you know that could be my job it could be my work and whether I make money from it or not that's a different story but it is that that is my project and I don't see myself stopping it and I think that's the kind of tell tale you yeah. know, when I don't see myself stopping something. Yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting though, because we're of a generation where we still fascinate over the office job. So the, the standard job, whereas like I worked in a school and kids that are coming up now, like you ask them what they want to do and they're like, oh, I want to be like a YouTuber or like a content yeah. creator or like, whereas like that would have never crossed our minds. That's the top job for, for Gen Z in the US, Australia and the UK and um, the UK is a YouTuber. And then if you look at China, it's like back at a doctor um, and that, might be because of their lack of access to internet and and those kinds of like the constraints that they have on, on their stuff. Um, But that's wild, right? That, you know, see that they're viable careers because they see these kids that have millions of dollars from there. And to us, it's a testament to us being like that limbo generation. We can't fathom that someone just posting on the internet because we have the idea that work, you're supposed to be miserable in work you know yeah, it's kind yeah. of that you know, work is work but now you can really make money from your passion yeah. and that is still work <laughs> I know because like even when I started Legal Diaries about a year ago just over a year ago now um about a year and a half 
Jesus. Um, I was so secretive about it. Like I didn't want to let any of my like mainstream friends know that I had this account where I was not doing anything bad, but just sharing my journey to qualification as a barrister in Ireland yeah. and kind of the realities of it. And now I have um, started... Um, so I did, I set up a, a, a legal diaries email um, just to kind of, because I started to email and correspond with a lot more people about podcast stuff and about other projects. So it just seemed like a natural next step. And then I created the signature for my legal diaries email. And I was like, do I add this to my personal email and then I started to slowly but surely kind of share the project with people um and now it's really funny because obviously I trained in Kingston to be a barrister and you're always so kind of like oh I really don't want them to kind of come across my page and and figure out that I'm talking about what it's like to qualify and all of this and to listen to my podcast but I started a Twitter account um just to kind of, because you can kind of rant about a lot more things on Twitter, I find, um, than mm-hmm. you can on Instagram and you can interact a lot more with people. Um, but I, the dean of the, the law school or the, the inns that I went to now follows that account. <laughs> <laughs> and we interact regularly because we're doing this fitness challenge thing together. Um, but yeah and even when I told my friends like it was so weird like I felt like I was coming out or something like I was like so I have something to tell you but some of my friends are like my best cheerleaders like they they will holy grail always listen to my podcast they will message me and be like that post was great or like I love your page or like one of my friends best recently and she was just like I just realized I haven't actually spoken to you properly in like two days but I feel like I'm always kept up to date in your life because I just always watch your stories on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And and to, to that same point, I think I was drunk when I told my friends like, oh yeah, I've got a podcast. Like it was, it was one of those things. It was like this big kind of secret thing. And if it wasn't for me having a food and fashion blog before, because this meant something more to me, it was really hard for me to make that, that transition into, into that yeah. as well. So I, it's important for people to know that like, it's never easy to put yourself out there in that way. It's no. never easy to do that stuff and to remember that. Um, yeah. And then also the other fact is like, even when you do, it doesn't mean everything's going to work out suddenly, yeah. you know, it still yeah. takes work. It's still days where you're like, why the fuck am I doing this? You yeah. know? And you're, we're, we're both in the, the very early stages of having say a platform um, where mm like we're not we're just doing it to grind and to put out that information and to share um like what what we do and what we're passionate about and all of that but like you're not making like how do you get over that so for you at the moment obviously like I'm still working full-time and doing it but how do you when you know you're not making an income from it how do you get up every day and say you're going to work that nine to five? You're going to have a routine. Like, how did you, how did you shift that mindset completely? And, and that's what I mean by the last two and a half months have been a, a real struggle because before I was traveling and doing this. So there was, there was a purpose, right? That purpose was that I was on this gap year. When I came back, 
it suddenly became not acceptable for me to do this. So what has happened over the past few months? And, and like I said, I had two weeks ago where I was like, what am I doing? And it all kind of suddenly hit me like I need money. And I thought, no, 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 that money that I had saved for that gap year, which would have been continuing right now, can it's still like it, it hasn't changed. It's still there, you know, it's, it's still it's, your money. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's still there. It's still all of that stuff. And your backup plan is you go back to working in an office. That's still an option just because there's a global pandemic going on. You know that whether you do this or you get a few little side hustles, you know, whatever they are, you know, you, you're, you're okay. Um, and, and it took me having to ask for help and call up a few friends and say, what are you doing? What did you do when you were in this position? You know, shake me, tell me that, you know, this is, this is what you're doing. And this year is okay to be like this. And I find it really easier if you give yourself shorter timelines than the reality. So I say Mm. like this year, but I have a feeling I might be in the same position next year as well. But if I tell myself, just give yourself to the end of the year and go hard in that time. Um, that it will. And community has been the biggest savior for me. So the people in the millennial crisis community, the people um, that I've met, my podcast guests, the people on even TikTok that like message or comment and, you know, say that stuff. It just reminds you why this project is so important to you and why you want to continue sharing this message because it's not shared enough. It's not. No, it's really like, it's really not. Um, and because I often like dream of a world where I will leave where I work now it just happens that I love my job but like if I was in say if I went the corporate route would I have stayed and like and I'm now starting to explore how to start a side hustle and monetize a skill set and a qualification that I have outside of my nine to five which I'm under contract to perform and, and do so and like literally like I keep going back to the point where people will say oh like I I don't fit everything in a job description and I'm like well two parts of my job are completely self-taught like I have no experience in editing audio for a podcast I just taught myself I have no experience in editing videos or designing a full 32 page report and using different programs but there's things like Skillshare there's things like YouTube where people do be so like we have this abundance of knowledge at our hands Mm. so there's there's no such thing as I'm not able to do that it's like no you just need to put in the grind and the time and learn how to do something Mm. Uh, but the, the second part to that is as well that it's hard to motivate yourself and you're not motivated every day. And I shared something on Instagram yesterday about um, not being so focused on goals and being more focused on habits and building habits because on the days where that motivation isn't there, which for me, especially being in lockdown was like, I don't know, five out of seven days, the motivation wasn't there. I had this morning routine habit that I was building. And now that I'm kind of, moved past and accepted that this is what things are um those little habits of meditating in the morning of doing yoga of going for walks 
have kept me sane through the motivation, the motivated days. And now I know, okay, well, the next habit I need to build is work time, you know, is, yeah. you know, blocking out an hour of day for one specific task and doing that for a week and creating that little habit and then adding another one and adding another one and focusing on these small habits because you'll watch those habits will lead you to the even bigger goals than you could have dreamed of having. Yeah. And like, I am such an advocate for micro or atomic habits. Like I think Mm -hmm. they are definitely what kept me sane during lockdown one. And we're currently in lockdown two. Like, and it might not be like, I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you're going to tell me to wake up early or like do (laughs) yoga or meditate. And I'm like, no, get out of bed and make your bed. I'm like, that is step number one to a good day. It's it like, even if you have a shit day, you're going to yeah. come home and realize that you did something right for yourself and you made your bed this morning. So yeah. you're going to be able yeah. to get into a made bed. So yeah. like, it doesn't have to be anything outrageous, but just something that gives you a semblance of normality. So that walk for you, that yoga, that meditation yeah. gave you that my, semblance. Funnily, funnily enough, my first small habit that I started was not making my bed was take it was clearing my car every time I came in so I was that person that oh. you'd go in their car there'd be three shoes in the boot there'd be a change of clothes there would be water bot like empty water bottles yeah. in the back or you know your bag from last week and uh, I said that you know I'm going to change something so the first small habit I introduced was when I came home I had to remove everything from my car that is and such a good that, one I need that one that, <laughs> that there changed everything and then that then turned into cold showers that turned into making my bed that and I added a new small healthy habit every week and they weren't meditation they weren't getting up ill they weren't ones that everyone raves on about there were this it was the smallest smallest thing and it's always the best to start with a thing where you do it day one and you go I need to add something else not add anything else yeah that. <laughs> yeah like they're simple simple things but like mm-hmm. as you said like when you build them up over time like you give yourself a week of making your bed or clearing out your car and then you're like okay I'm gonna have a cold shower to kind of revive myself and wake myself up each day and then you're like okay let's add another step I'm gonna drink two plus liters of water every day or a gallon of water or whatever um but you build this system then of productivity. And when you're, when you have all of these habits, so when you're clearing out your car and you're having cold showers, you can't help but be motivated, I think, and be productive. Um, It's like you're creating this kind of false sense of reality um, for yourself, but in a good way, like you're creating this, like when you were in lockdown, you're like, okay, but yeah, everything's not normal, but it is normal because I have my routine and my things that I do. Mm. And and there's a difference, I think, as well between habits and routine, because on the days where things aren't normal and routine isn't there, people freak out. Whereas if you've built a habit, there is like this click system of you do something and there's a reaction and that reaction is that habit right yeah whereas in a routine there is a set structure to it and if something out of place in that routine people get lost yeah you know um and so that's why moving into the world that we're going into now kind of bringing it full circle into career stuff moving into the world that we're in now where nine to five structure isn't necessarily there 
building the right habits and reactions to situations that's the golden ticket you know yeah and like that's so true because I have been I've always been really interested in like stoicism or sto like how yeah, yeah. And Ferris is huge on stoicism yeah. yeah so I've started to and my boyfriend recommend like one or two books like he's really big on it as well um so and I've been reading a lot more around it and it's so true it's having that mentality of if something is completely out of your control and you can't control it you shouldn't really care about it or mm. like you shouldn't really kind of dedicate give it energy yeah energy that it doesn't warrant and I think that's a it's the same of when you think of it in routines you need to look at it as not every day you're going to stick to a rigid routine where you do X, Y, Z, but like mm. sure shit happens, but you have your habits that ground you throughout the day and give you that sense of, okay, there's some normality in this day because I've just come in from the car and I've cleared it out. I got up this morning and had a cold shower. Yeah, I didn't work rigidly nine to five, but like screw it. Who needs that routine? I got X amount of tasks completed within the day that I mm. needed to. So it was a good day. Um, yeah no definitely and then just to kind of finish up I just have uh, two questions so how um how did your my first question is how did your parents react your family when you or how are they supporting you on this journey at the moment because obviously you've moved back home yeah um well I never moved out of home so the difference in Australia than in Europe is like I think there's a when we go to university, we don't move out of home. So it's not strange for people to be living with their parents. I would say like 23 at the earliest kind of for the majority of people to 26 is where people will start moving out of home. And the the idea of that is that like you buy a house versus move out and rent kind of thing. Um, so I had moved back into home from being abroad essentially, but I still had like everything was 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 normal in that sense besides covid but um no they have been um kind of really good and i think again it comes back to the covid thing whereas i can you can almost use that's why it's so great to start something now because you can almost use covid as an excuse um if people ask you like why if you're worried about why is there a gap in your work year covid happened yeah I know COVID happened but during that COVID time I was doing this yeah and and if you flip that in your mind if you say you know I'm not actually actively looking for work and you don't have to tell anyone that you're not actively looking for work and you're focusing on this other thing when it does come to that interview when you do say you have to go back to the workplace you can say there was no work available I couldn't secure any work but I was doing this instead those skills can be shown as, you know, determination, as resilience, as all of those other awesome skills that employers look for as well. Um, so yeah, they, they have been good and I still don't think they understand what I'm doing (laughs) or what I'm like focusing on. (laughs) Have any of them, um, maybe more for your siblings, like followed you on TikTok or listened to your podcast or, um, no, which is (laughs) great because (laughs) I don't like I even when my friends like say that they listen to an episode and that's only been recently um I get almost embarrassed because I feel like I share a lot there yeah in real life and um 
for the, like, I guess the TikTok side of things, I, I haven't told anyone about that. So I think that's like a separate, like I needed something where I just didn't care. And yeah. People have mentioned it to me that they've seen it, but I'll just like bypass it. Cause I would rather think that nobody knows about it than, you know, my Instagram yeah. where I know people follow and sometimes I feel more reserved, um, even though I share a lot there as well. Yeah. But for me, I think sometimes I could share more but yeah. I hold back at times yeah yeah no doubt I guess it's similar to your legal diaries stuff where it was like um you know you didn't want to tell people because you were sharing this other information or whatever yeah it is. like I just it's it's and like so many friends have been so supportive but in my head I'm like like I know if my friend came to me I said he swear it was such a huge thing and was like oh I have this bar I'd be like oh my god that's so cool but like in my head I'm like oh they're gonna think it's stupid or they're gonna think I'm just wasting my time but like initially when I was like to my boyfriend in particular I was like because I went through phases when I was in my undergrad of like creating a blog because everyone created a blog for something um and he was like I was saying oh I'm I'm I had created legal diaries before I told him and I was I was doing something but we were going to Bali together so I was like well I want to like document Bali because I'm really excited to go so obviously I need to like tell him and he was super supportive but then when lockdown started I was like oh I'm gonna start a podcast which is a ridiculous time to do because I have 13 professional exams so (laughs) but I, I said it to him initially and he was just like yeah you do you and then the other day he was like I was telling him oh like I bothered because I kept putting off just putting in the application for like iTunes to get approved and I did it and I was like to him I was like oh my podcast is now on iTunes and he was like you know what that's actually really cool and I was like <laughs> it yeah, <kinda> it is. <laughs> yeah I was like it kind of is in a way I was like yeah I was like it's available on like three or four streaming platforms now so like it like it is nor whereas if I was to say this to like Gen Z, um, they'd be like so cool with it and they'd be like, Oh my god, what are you doing? But then they'd see the amount of followers I have and they probably wouldn't be impressed because I'm, I'm <laughs> it's not that huge. But um I, I and I think that's it. Like I still put in the amount of effort, even though like I don't have thousands of followers and I don't have I think that's that's like you still need to put the grind in even if and be willing to share the information even if you're not getting the thousands like you need to realize why you want to create the platform in the first place um yeah and yeah so I think definitely there there it's such it's so weird like to do these because they're so unconventional for millennials I think but yeah but um sorry my next question is um if you were to go back to you when you came back from traveling um, in making your decision um, or say you're starting a new year and you're really doubting your career path, what are the top kind of five tips that you would have for someone who's starting their millennial crisis? (laughs) Yeah. um, I think the first thing is um, talk about it because you will be surprised at how many people come back to you and say, I have experienced this. I am experiencing this, or I know someone who is experiencing this. And that is the first thing. And the weight you'll kind of be lifted off your shoulders. And 
if you're if you're struggling to be able to say that you can say it in a roundabout way like oh i just listened to this podcast and someone spoke about um not knowing what they were doing or someone spoke about wanting to make a career change later in life like have like have you heard of it you know it doesn't have to be saying i'm really struggling right now you can use a piece of content a video a book you know or something um so that would be the first thing the second thing would be find people who are talking about that so whether you're searching up quarter life crisis whether you're searching up you know use google like what do i do when i'm having a quarter life crisis yeah. what am i doing when i have a millennial crisis you know and those pages will come up for you and not only will they come up for you you'll then get served ads you'll then get served all of those other things for people who are watch out for the pyramid schemes yeah. but you know um you'll you'll then be served stuff that that will help you and that will surround yourself by people who are giving resources for that or just making you feel less alone in those that experience that you're having um there the the third thing from there is get involved in those communities jump in the comments connect with other people um and find people who are on the same journey as you just like when um you know you might have from you go from the transition from high school to university you have to find a new way to stay in contact with friends or you have to make new friends like just because you're an adult and you're not put in those situations doesn't mean you can't make friends that aren't in a school or a work setting, you know, you can meet people in different ways. Um, so I guess that would be my third step is find your community. Um, and then the fourth would be like, ask yourself those questions, ask yourself, you know, what do I really enjoy? And that, can be a really hard question to answer ask yourself if i had all the money in the world what would i be doing you know ask yourself what am i curious about or what were those things that i used to like doing that i stopped doing because there's no money in it or you know or whatever those kind of um things are because and then start exploring those curiosities because the biggest thing that shifted for me was exploring things i was curious about and that's how the podcast came into fruition. That's how I, you know, I started volunteering in community radio and meeting people who were in the space and learning. Um, so four would be explore your curiosities. Um, and then I guess five would be stop researching now. Now that you've done that, stop researching, stop looking for the right way to start something and just start. It doesn't matter if you start at in the wrong place. It doesn't matter if you're starting in step five and other people are starting in step one. It, it does not matter. As soon as you put that one small foot in front of the other, or take that first small step and put the other one foot in front of the other, mm. you'll realize that even if you started in the wrong spot, you just go backwards. You go back to where you realize you're supposed to start. And by doing, you stop consuming. Um, and now I say like consumption is the enemy at the moment, you know, because we have all of these things that we can consume, we do and, and we avoid instead of actually do. So, um, yeah, number five is just do it even when you think you're not ready because you're never going to be ready.
No, and it's such a rabbit hole. Like, there's always going to be another book that you can read. There's always mm-hmm. going to be another YouTube video or blog you can find or more research that you can do. So I think you need to have that cutoff point for yourself where you go, right, I'm adequately equipped to begin my process. I can ask myself my nine questions. I can, like, begin creating those micro habits that will create a routine and make me figure out what I want to do. Yeah, no, those are some some really, really good tips. And for you what is next for the millennial crisis yeah um i'm just continuing with what i'm doing so we have um the virtual events which which i run um once a week at the moment which is where you can kind of connect with other like-minded people um and just have discussions that you don't usually have one of the biggest things i missed while i was abroad was having the opportunity to wake up every day and be able to meet new people or Mm. hear different stories. And um, the best part about travel is hearing those like different perspectives on the way the world works. Um, And so that's what I've tried to create with these virtual events. Um, And then, yeah, just continue the podcast and exploring what the new kind of career path life of mine will look like which is going to have a van in it I know I'm going to be living out of a van at some point that is like my next thing it's such a dream of mine one of our friends did it recently well he he purchased the van and, and was in the process of doing it up but I was like especially in Ireland like we have such beautiful like landscape but I just want to be able to live in my van and go travel Ireland around the wild Atlantic coast but maybe one day yeah but um, yeah. i'm super excited to see when when the millennial crisis gets a van <laughs> yeah well it, it'll be sooner than later i'm in the process of looking for one and um so i'm hoping next month or december the latest january i will have my van and then it'll be about fitting it out and all of that stuff but i mean we'll cross that bridge when it comes yeah it gets, you know? i tease myself so much the amount of I was on like van bill side of TikTok for a while. So I kept seeing these incredible people. And then I started spiraling into like YouTube videos and YouTubers who've done van bills. And I was like, I really just need to buy a van. Um, Yeah. yeah. So um, where can people find all of this amazing good stuff? So where can people find the millennium millennial crisis? Yeah. um, Instagram. Pretty much if you type in the millennial crisis, I should come up um, everywhere, whether it's like Instagram or TikTok or um, the, the website. Um, and if you message, if you message there, um, I'll always be in touch. Otherwise, my personal account is just Demi Kotsaurus, um, which is my name. Um, but yeah, the, the, the one thing I would say is anyone that's listening and has resonated with everything, you should join one of our events. They're honestly so much fun and if you're in if, if you're in Europe it's like your morning time it's like in an hour so you're morning but maybe like 9am ish or something like that I feel like for some reason because I follow all of your your kind of your medium say and I for some reason it's never I've never come across these events so I'm 100% gonna check these out yes please do join one I I'm I've been I'm trying to figure out how to get more people 
involved and to spread the message more because I've heard that from a few people uh, at the moment. And even though I feel like it's all I talk about at the moment, um, it's clearly not. So yeah, you should definitely join. They're so much fun. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely must because although I'm in like, I, I do, I'm in like a privileged position where I really enjoy the career that I'm in at the moment. I have so many side hustles and side projects that I'm like, I'm definitely hit ready to hit a millennial crisis. And like, I have days where I absolutely hate my job and I'm like, why did I pursue this path? And like, I'm, I'm nearly 30 years old and I haven't saved for a mortgage or I haven't moved out of home. And so like, we, we all have our, our crises about different things. It might not necessarily be always career, but yeah. And, and, and the, the, the topics that we have are now we've just adding one now, which, which gets selected like each few weeks and people pick the topic, but it's like careers with purpose, which might not be in, in your realm because you've got it. However, it's also works the opposite way that people who are in those areas join because they want to give advice to people, but it's careers with purpose, millennial business, which is for side hustlers or people who are freelancing oh. and stuff. Um, and then there's mental health in a digital age, which talks oh. about, the so impact important. that the internet and social media have on our mental health and having open and honest conversation around it. And the idea of them is one to connect with like-minded people, but two to leave the session and be like, Oh shit, there are so many other people experiencing the same thing as me, maybe yeah. not the same circumstances or, you know, to the extent, but I'm not the only one. Yeah. And like, it's so true because I'm always conscious of, like I put out such a good image for like what I do on social media, but then I, I often have to be like, okay, I need to post. Not that it's not my reality, but like I have really shit days in work and I just, I, I'm not getting anything done or I'm finding it really hard to draft something or to edit something. And like, I've had clients shout at me and like stuff like that. So like, it's not all like, like um sunshine and roses so i i think that's really important for for anyone um to to kind of put out the reality of things as well um but yeah no that's super exciting so um thank you again so much for for coming on board it's been so good it's been such a long episode but i i don't care like i'm not even gonna edit <laughs> most of it um um it's been such valuable kind of information and such an important topic so like thank you so much for kind of documenting your journey so not only doing your journey but then putting yourself out there and documenting it as well because I think what you're doing is is really important and especially creating that kind of community with the virtual events and 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 um is is really important so thank you Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much. You're so, so great at interviewing. So um, yeah, yeah con congratulations on, on all of the work you're doing and, and, and keep at it because you're, you're making an impact with people and, and it, it's awesome. And I know it's not easy to do. So yeah, back at you there. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another Legal Diaries podcast. Be sure to follow along on all the social media channels at legaldiaries.ie on Instagram, www.legaldiaries.ie and on Twitter, it's legal at legaldiaries underscore IE. Thank you.